This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. And we talk about the world of sports psychology on the show. I've been fortunate enough to be on the radio here in Kansas City for 29 years, the last 19 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And my show is podcasted around the country, around the world, actually, uh, all over the place on SoundCloud, on Apple iTunes, on Spotify. If you want to listen to replays of the show, just click in, find it. I've been my name, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. It's been real interesting. The past week I received emails from Estonia, from a basketball player over there, and from a soccer player in Ireland who listened to the podcast. So we're obviously getting the word out about mental training, about your mindset, about your attitude all over the place. And um, you know, I love doing this show. I've been a sports psychologist in my 40th year of work. And I do this because I like to help people accomplish their goals, overcome obstacles, and deal with things. And let's face it, today more than ever, we have to deal with stuff with the pandemic crisis that's going on that's that's exploding weekly daily now even more than it has been and everything else going on in our country and the world sports has a role in all this and you know the world of sports when we didn't have it uh, when everything went into a lockdown earlier in the year left a gigantic void in our country Um, so many people couldn't play sports, couldn't watch sports, couldn't participate in sports. And it was, I guess, for lack of a better terminology, it's just a total bummer. I know everybody I know who loves sports was struggling. And then we gradually were able to start participating again, get activities going again. Professional sports found a way to work. College sports has tried to. It's still struggling with it and filtering down to high school and youth sports. And today, as we're approaching Thanksgiving week here, a lot of things have been going on that affect this. And one of the things is safety. You know, last week I talked on the show about the role a coach plays and how important coaches are just in terms of being a psychologist now for kids. Because if you're a coach, a high school coach especially, as well as a youth sports, especially a high school coach, you've got to help these kids and help yourself get through this crisis we're in. And I thought it'd be a great idea to get a very successful coach to join me on the show. So I emailed Kelly Donahoe, who is the football coach at Rockhurst High School, formerly Blue Springs here in Kansas City, one of the most successful coaches in the community. And he gracefully agreed to come on the show. So, Kelly, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. Great being on. 
you know, I really appreciate you doing this. And, and you know, <clears throat> when I emailed you the other day, I was thinking I wanted to get someone on who's had to deal with this as a coach with his team. And you have because you, co- you, you have a you're in the Missouri Hall of Fame. You've got a tremendous track record. You've been successful. You've won state championships. You've made it to the state playoffs almost all the time at Blue Springs. Now you're, you're at Rockhurst High School. Replacing Tony Severino, that in and of itself, one of the greatest coaches ever in Kansas City, is an issue you've got to deal with, I'm sure, because you're replacing a legend, although you're a legend yourself. And here you are coaching this year, you get to the playoffs, and then boom, you had to forfeit a game because of the coronavirus. If you would, just give us a little summarization of how that went went about. How did that happen? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting, Drew, if you don't mind me going back in time, in early August, the uh, superintendents or principals or maybe the combination of both in Kansas City of the Suburban Conference met to decide if we were even going to play football and how it was going to look. And so we had gone through the summer and, and done training with our kids now. We couldn't start till middle of June. And then in July, we had paused a week because we had had a uh, positive and we had, were just worried that there were some other kids that just weren't, you know, that maybe were and just hadn't said anything. So that was our pause to say, guys, we have to know. You have to tell us if you've been around this young man, um, if you're having symptoms. Because, you know, kids kids don't want to miss stuff. But we told them how, how important it was to be honest and, and, and forthright because, you know, this is a scary situation. If, if you're holding on to that and you're around a bunch of other young men. Well, anyway, long story short, when we got into early August, we were really on pins and needles because we thought, you know, here we've gone through all the preseason stuff and we're going to lose the fall sports. And, and I was I adamantly felt it was critical to play because these young men, just the mental wellness of being part of the team, and, 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 and you saw it this summer when they came back because, remember, they had been quarantined all spring long. Right. And when these young men got together, they were so excited to be around each other. It was just, I mean, it, you could tell it was a highlight of their day just being on the football field together training. And so when we found out they were going to let us start – but the word was that we were going to get through Labor Day, and that was that was going to be two ball games, and then they're going to reassess it. We felt like as a coaching staff, gosh, we're going to play two games and we're going to be done. Well, then it just kept going. You know, the season kept going, and when we got to about week six, we had gotten through six games. My AD had walked into the weight room, Mike Dirks, and said, "Coach, we're a little concerned right now because the CDC guidelines have changed, and it's going to make it really, really hard to continue if you get a positive case because." What had happened, Drew, was before it was if you're within six feet of someone for 15 consecutive minutes and, and, and that person had tested positive, well, then you've got to go into quarantine for 14 days, basically. Well, being next to somebody within six feet of somebody for 15, that just doesn't happen. You know, in, in a game of football or, or anything, you know, yeah, you're, you're within six feet of someone, but then that's for a few seconds. You break a huddle or you're having a conversation, then you go somewhere else. And the way we do our drill periods, we're always moving and rotating. So I felt like, okay, we're going to be okay. We, 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 we never had that situation. Well, then, like I said, about week six when he came and talked to me, it had changed. And what it was now at that point was if you're within six feet of somebody for 15 minutes over a period of 24 hours, so you and I could be next to each other for three minutes at one So the, it's the cumulative number. The cumulative, yeah. And then for five minutes, two hours later, and then, you know, we jump in a car for eight minutes together. And that, well, now it's cumulative 15 minutes, and now – 
if one of us is positive, the other guy's quarantined, and, and we're we're in trouble. And so, from a tracing standpoint, that's almost impossible. That was, to, it's that, almost impossible to do that. Yeah, yeah. We knew we were going to be in trouble, and so when we had the young man test positive, and we found out Tuesday going to the playoffs, you talk about a devastating group of young men. When we found out from the Kansas City, Missouri Health Department, we had to shut it down. That was really, really a difficult day, and uh, especially because we were really playing well and were really starting to roll and felt like we had a chance to do something really special. So, yeah, it was quite a, quite a, quite a tough day for sure. You know, when we come back from our first commercial break, I want to talk about this with you, about you know, how you dealt with that yourself personally, and then just, just how this affected these kids. Because obviously, here you are, you're at Rockhurst, and this is your first year here, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you're obviously wanting to make your own imprint. I mean, you're replacing, you know, one of the greatest coaches in Kansas City sports history. And, of course, you're right there with him in terms of your success. But, you know, coming into this school and the, the success they've had, you want to make an impact. You want these kids to have this opportunity. How many How many seniors, Kelly, did you have on this team? We had 30 seniors. 30 seniors. Yeah. 30 young men who are have the dream of going to state, winning state, and yet here, boom, it's taken away from them. Not Absolutely. because of anything they've done. Right, right. And Absolutely. So, so you had to, you and your assistant coaches really, and this is what I was talking about last week that I want to get into you as we come back from our first break here. You had to be a psychologist for these kids. You guys had to console them. You had to work with them. You had to talk with them. You had to get them to understand everything that's going on, right? Absolutely. Yes, that was a, a major chore for us to get, get those kids' heads in the right place because uh, – <laughs> That first day, it was really impossible. I mean, they were just devastated. They were angry. They were bitter. They were disappointed. They were sad. They, you know, you, a wide range of emotions, but they were just absolutely sick that their season was canceled on them. Yeah, just just taken from them for, for nothing they've done wrong. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Rockhurst High School football coach Kelly Donahoe. We're talking about what happened with his team having to forfeit being in the playoffs. The job of a coach is to, is to be a psychologist more so than ever today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. 
And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. My guest today is Kelly Donahoe, the head football coach at Rockhurst High School here in Kansas City. And we're talking about the fact that his football team made the playoffs and then had to forfeit because of the coronavirus. So, Kelly, let me let me ask you this question. First of all, for you, here's your first year at, at this school. You make the playoffs, which is congratulations on that, first of all. I didn't say that to start off. H- how did you deal with it? How was it for you? <laughs> well... I've told a lot of people I I went into three days of what I felt like it was depression, and then I decided it was time to put my big boy pants on and get moving. You know, it, it was hard. I mean, it, because, and the thing was, and I had to put a good face on because you got to imagine this scenario: you're told, you're told at three o'clock on a Tuesday, you're absolutely crushed, and your players are arriving have already arrived for practice. 
so what we have to do, and I'm talking to the leadership of our school, which they, they did an amazing job working through all this, but I had to meet the team outside because from the point at 3 o'clock we were told we had to cancel, our whole entire football team had to quarantine from the school and the coaches. Anybody that was on that sideline that Friday night before had to go into uh, what 10, 14 days, whatever it was, a quarantine. So we had to meet the players outside. So what had happened was the kids had formed up. It was a, it was a really bad day weather-wise. And they had, we, we were going to be in two different places for spacing purposes, one film room with one group and a, and a, a big gym with the other group. So the kids were already in the bleachers spaced out, ready to begin practice. We had to go down. One, I had to tell my coaches, and then I'll just see the, the devastation. Let me, yeah, let me start with that. How was it telling you? How many assistant coaches do you have? Well, so I've got 10 varsity assistants. And I had told them we we were meeting um, right before that. And when I got the call to come up to the principal's conference room, I had a really bad feeling, and so did they. And so when I came down and met them, they knew from the look on my face we were done, and that you could just see they were just—I mean, <laughs> they were sick. And so I said, guys, we got to get the guys gathered up. We can't even be indoors. We've got to get them outside. Well, it's 30 degrees out. And it's, you know, uh, it's kind of, it's a rainy, bad day. And so we had to literally tell our guys, guys, we need to go out to the Mackey practice field, which is just right outside the doors of the gym. And, of course, they can't quite understand. And so as they've got them all outside and they're being told to be six feet apart, and so here's your football team spaced out, freezing outside. (laughs) And I've got to walk out. And they knew something was up. Um, and they probably saw it in my face. And then you're telling them, guys, here's the situation. And then I have to tell them. And then within seconds, I mean, you're, you're talking about I mean, seniors that are, and this is my first year, but we have some young men that will be forever uh, blazing in my mind as just unbelievable team guys, leaders, warriors, uh, great character kids that were just loving the season. And then, boom, told them it's done. And, I mean, they instantly, of course, obviously got a group of kids that are, very emotional, very upset. We're trying to get around every one of them and talk to them after we made this announcement to them. But they just, I mean, they were like in shock. I mean, they, they, they could, I don't know if they even heard a word I said once I told them that we had a COVID case, guys, and we've been told by the Kansas City Missouri Health Department that our season is officially over. I let, think after let, I said that, it was over. Let me ask a question. Was that mentioned who the COVID case was? The, um, they... We we didn't though. I I think they knew because word spreads pretty quick. Right amongst and, high school kids. I mean, how, and how and, and that young man. I yeah. mean, how, how, what about him? I mean, that was our biggest concern. That was the number one concern for us because. So when I said that, then I had to come right back around and say that we need to rally around that young man uh, and, and, and told his name. And and I think it's the, some of the kids knew. It's, most of them I don't think did know. But what we were worried about was the anger our kids were going to have that that young man tested. Um, so, how, so how did you how did you handle? Let me ask you, Kelly. First of all, how yeah. did you handle it with that young man? Because obviously, there's guilt that's going to be coming on with him. For you know, it's not that yeah. he did anything wrong. Probably, it just you know, this just happens. And then, how did you deal with the other yeah. kids? Well, I had emailed him. I had reached out to him right away and just said, you know. Um, this is not your fault. This this is an indiscriminate disease that it could hit any of us. You cannot feel guilty about this. And what we did was we told the players the most important thing we can do from this moment on is rally around him. Because our big thing at Rockhurst, it's a private school, and, and the motto is uh, men for others. 
and our kids live that. I mean, that's really, really important. And what we found out 10 days later was our team did, our kids almost to the man, even as angry and hurt and bitter and sad, all whatever they were, they reached out to him and told him, "Don't. it's not on you, man. It's not on you. We love you. We're going to be there for you. And this kid was devastated. I mean, you know, you think about it, it's all over the news, and you're the you're ground zero kid. You're the one, you know, and, and it's not fair or right, but he was the case. And so, um, but I was just really proud of our coaches for reaching out to him, for our team to reach out to him. And we had a big senior night the other night at the stadium with the parents and seniors, which is a really thing, a cool thing we did last Thursday for some closure. And he got up and talked, and he got real emotional talking about, how he was in a really dark place when this all happened, and then within a half hour after that was made, he felt so much better again because of the way all the players reached out to him. So I what, was, year, what year is he, Kelly? He's a senior. He's a, he's senior, a senior also. Senior. Yeah, yeah. And what was interesting was he was a, an overachieving young man that had done so many good things at practice force as a scout team senior. That's the kind of character kid he is. I mean, he's playing scout team force that we made him a starter going into that game uh, the week before because of his effort. Because of his effort. So probably yeah. he's not probably not someone who's going to play beyond high school, at least no. at the collegiate level. But Correct. somebody, he was the type of Rudy player in, in your school to put out everything for the team. Oh, he was absolutely a unbelievable effort kid and, and whatever it takes, coach, to help my buddies out. Kid. Well, I want, I want to jump in here if I can. First of all, I, this, is, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show today because I didn't know any of this. But this is why I wanted to have you on, because I know the type of person you are from many people I've seen throughout my, my career have talked about you, and th- you handled that tremendously. Because that's, that's you know, just having this young man, you're going to start him and let him play, and then how you handle this. This is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I have a saying, Kelly, a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. <laughs> And, you know, yeah, right. you've met, you, you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, and, yeah. and in football, let's face it, I mean, I, I've worked with football players my whole career. I've worked with dozens of professional NFL players. I'm working with several right now. And one of the key issues that these guys have is how they relate to their coaches, how they get along, how that how that affects them. And that's something I want to get into is the whole communication aspect. We come back for our next break here because one of the key things is this. Uh, it, it, good coaches, like I said, are good psychologists because you're good communicators, but most importantly, because you're a good listener. And if you take the time to hear your kids, understand them, get to know them as people, that makes you a better coach. And I want to talk about that with you, about how you communicate, how you, how you work with kids on that, and then how you've helped them you know, cope and move on beyond this. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. You know, I do this show every week. And as I mentioned earlier, our shows are podcasted all over the place. And today's show, I think, is a great show if you're a coach somewhere and you're trying to help your team cope with the virus, the coronavirus, COVID-19, how to adjust to it, how to deal with it, if you have to stop playing, if you can play, how to deal with it. 
And that's why I wanted to interview Kelly Donahoe, the head football coach at Rockhurst High School here in Kansas City, because he's had to deal with that. He here's a, an extremely successful coach who comes to this school, his first year coaching. They make the playoffs, then they had to, had to forfeit because of the coronavirus. So he, as, as you know on this show, I talk about a great, as I said earlier, a, great, a good coach, great coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And, and Kelly Donahoe obviously is a great coach because of his record, but most importantly because of who he is. And I, I think this is a great opportunity if you know a coach who's trying to help his team cope with this virus to listen to the show and what Kelly's sharing with us because I think it's a great opportunity for people to learn some things. So, Kelly, let me ask you this question. You, you have to cancel the season. You had to deal with all these kids. What's happened since? Okay, so that, that's been about a month ago now. How have you yep. moved on, and how, how are you helping these kids? Because you really, you know, I, I, I talked extensively about this last week, about how really good coaches, right now more than ever, have to be a psychologist to their kids. Yeah, Dr. James. So, you know, when one, we were concerned about the young man that tested positive. So the, the most important thing was to make sure our kids rallied around him, and that's why we were adamant with our guys about uh, take good care of this young man, and they did. The other thing that I became... <laughs> really concerned with was the fact that you know you try to picture that these are all young men that were quarantined from March until June. They get back together, play a game. They, they're loving it. I mean, you could just—I you, you, felt the pulse of the team was so positive and excited going into the playoffs. And then they're told they have to go back into quarantine and they've lost their season. So then my concern is, I've got you know a hundred young men sit at home that aren't around their buddies every day. They've got to, they're just absolutely devastated losing their season, especially those 30 seniors. You know, what can we do to help them? So the following day, I believe it's the following day, because we were told on Tuesdays, either Wednesday or Thursday, I just put all of them on an email and said, fellas, hey, I, I know how everybody's doing, and I know we're, a lot of people are in a really bad place right now, mentally, emotionally, whatever. But we need to, and I said, I knew the toughest thing for you guys is not being around each other right now. So let's, let's get this email chain going and, and maybe tell some good stories, funny stories about each other. And I started out because we've got a young man, Thomas Holmes, on our team that just, I love the kid. He just, he's, fun. he's a big lineman. He's, he's got great one-liners. So, so we, I kind of cracked a joke about Tommy to get it going. And then, you know, throughout the day, it was so neat to see all those kids jumping on making fun of each other, just try to lighten them up because we realized they were in a really, really dark place at that point. How did that go? How did that work? It was pretty funny. It was funny just to see the, the back and forth of the players. Um, and, and, and some really nice things some kids said to the whole group. You know, some kids really laid their hearts out. And I think that probably helped the team hear that stuff, you know. Let me ask this question from a, from a coaching perspective, as a leader, as a guide. I mean, I, I always say, uh, you know, a, co a great coach wears a lot of different hats. You have to be, a, 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 you know, teaching fundamentals. You've got to be a good listener. You've got to be a disciplinarian. You have to be empathetic. You have to be, you know, di direct. But you, you, you really need to get to know these kids personally and their goals. And. I, I've worked with throughout my career so many great coaches, and you know I, I think it's so important now more than ever to get to know these kids personally. You know, I, I, I've, Kelly, I've talked about for years on this show. I've talked about how important mental health is, right? right. And and 
to be honest with you, so many people have told me I was full. Come on, Dr. Jacobs. I mean, these are athletes, man. They don't need all this weak stuff. They're not, you know, weak people. And I'm like, they're people. Okay. You know, I've had I've had a 6'6", 360-pound man, nose, NFL nose tackle in my office, break down and cry. Okay. You know, right. he's, a big, he's a big dude. He sat in my, my recliner, and I couldn't see the chair when he sat down, and he was so big. But he sat there right. and cried. Right. You know, right. people ask me when I was the first full-time sports psychologist at Kansas City Royals back in 1990. You know, I'm around Bo Jackson, George Brett, Tom Gordon, Willie Wilson, Frank White, all these great, Mark Gubas, all these great players. So they're people. They're people. They have feelings. Yeah. They have emotions. They don't, you know, they don't like it when you cuss at them or yell at them or call them names. So right. a, a, as a coach... How have you been dealing with that issue? Because let's face it, you know, we're hearing about now more than ever. Michael Phelps has come out and talked about his depression and his alcohol issues. Kevin Love, of course, three years ago talked about the panic attack he's had. Athletes are now talking about the fact that they need to talk about things. So how have you helped them with this whole situation? If you had to deal with some individual kids with this, and what about pulling in the parents? Have you done any of that? Yeah, so that same that that night or the day we were told that night our parents were up in arms as you can imagine because the mindset of most people is these kids aren't going to die from this they are going to be fine why are you taking a season away from these kids when one kid had a positive test this is this is ridiculous we want our kids playing our kids want to play we're demanding they play i'm sure you had some angry phone calls from some parents well it, 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 i didn't personally have angry phone calls i think not at you directly. not at you just about the situation yeah. The situation, right, that directed at the high school, and it wasn't our high school. Our leadership team did everything by the book. And I'm, and I'm really impressed with them because, you know, there are some schools that if your football team is rolling along, maybe you kind of pushed under the rug a little bit or you, you, you quarantined a few kids, but they did it exactly how they did it the entire other, the rest of the year with seven other kids in our school that had it, the way they traced it, the way they took the health department, being very factual, and, and that was the right thing to do. And so, but our people, our parents were very upset. So we had a, basically a webinar that night and there were, gosh, 50 sets of parents on that. And, uh, it lasted for over an hour. And, and again, our, you know, Father Vince and Dave Laughlin did a tremendous job. Of and tell, who are they? Tell everybody who they are. So our, our president is Dave Laughlin, just a magnificent leader of our school. Uh, and with him is our, our principal, uh, Father Vince Chakabaji. And they both lead the school and they do a tremendous job. They are kid first, but they're going to be careful and, 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 and consistent with the CDC guidelines. And they did. They were they were great. They <laughs> they knew when they brought me in the office at three o'clock that day that was going to be a tough moment for <laughs> for us. But but what can you do? And um, they they were they were sick about it. They realized that we were going to have a group of young men that were you know that was going to be one of the toughest things they'd ever gone through in their life. You know. So, parents were angry. How did you calm them down? Well, if, if you were able to calm them down. Yeah, what I what I told the parents was, yeah. I said, guys, I, we're all in the same, we're all feeling the same way. Believe you, I mean, as sick as you are, imagine, I mean, these kids and these coaches, and and, I, and as, as, especially towards the senior parents, because I, I knew I could feel their rage and up, uh, frustration with this, and and I so I went back and said, guys, I want I, I want to go back a couple months with you in early August when we felt like we were going to get the season canceled and then we were hoping to get just a couple games in and they were going to stop at Labor Day and we got eight games in and we had great memories of these kids and there's nothing we can do at this point. They're not going to come back and change their ruling. They're not. They haven't done – because the, you got to remember, there were several high schools 
that had um, canceled games throughout the season or indoor soccer club teams or volleyball teams. Well, what happened was they went quarantine, they missed a game or two, and they came back and played. So it, it wasn't huge news. What happened to us was we just started the playoffs. So when you get a game canceled at that point, your season is over. And so we were the first team that that happened to. So it was big news around here. And the tradition of Rockers uh, also led to that. But, um, yeah, I think just trying to explain to the parents that we have got to look at the positives of this season and what we, you know, some great memories we had and we got eight games in and, and and we we there's nothing we can do. So the worst thing we can do is just be angry and mad or say some things we shouldn't say at this point in time. You know. When we come back, Kelly, I want to talk with you about the role mental health has in sports today. Um, you know, you and I have both survived cancer. We're adults, but you know, the psychological side of things is so important. I want I want to talk with you about how you coach these kids and deal with that side of it because I think that's a. You know, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but they want the stronger mind will come out on top. So I'd like to address that with you as we move on. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. 
Storing your gun securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week and having a fascinating interview today. My guest is Kelly Donahoe. He's the head football coach at Rockhurst High School here in Kansas City. He's in the Missouri Hall of Fame. He's won state titles when he was at Blue Springs. He just completed his first year coaching the football team, unfortunately cut short because of the coronavirus at Rockhurst High School. And We've been talking about what happened and, you know, how he as a coach had to deal with this. So so now that it's been about a month later, Kelly, how are you doing with it? How do you, how are you doing? How are you handling everything? Well, you know, it's funny. Right, well, how excuse me. How's your how are your wife and kids handling you? I guess I should ask. <laughs> well, I've got a twenty four year old daughter out in California, so she's fine. And then my my son is a junior at the University of Kansas, so he doesn't get to be around me and and my wife. They're great. And, you know, um, you you don't walk around and 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 wallow in self pity. You you move on. It, it was tough, you know, those first few days. But you just do things. I put my Christmas tree up. I think it was October twenty fourth. You know, it made me happy. You know, so you just because <laughs> I'm I'm quarantined. I'm I'm like the players. I can't be around people. So boy, I tell you what, golfing, fishing. Uh, never done that before in the fall. Uh, started reading more and more, which I never really get to in the fall. So you 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 manage. Um, you you manage, but you you realize that there's going to be another season, and and you know what you and I have been through with cancer. You also realize there's things in life that are are much more important than a, than some football games. So you realize that the pain is temporary, but it's gonna it's gonna subside every day, and it did it did, and, and we move on. And and like Thursday night when we had that big senior night with the players and the parents, it was fantastic, and it was just awesome to see them laughing and smiling as a group and taking pictures on the field together and all that stuff was pretty cool. As a coach, how do you recognize when you've got let, – let, let's talk about confidence, okay? Because I always talk about four keys to success psychologically with athletes, preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence, and confidence is the foundation of all of it. So if you've got a young man you're coaching who you can tell confidence is waning, maybe it's not as good as it could be or it should be or it has been, how do you address that with them? How do you try to help them with that and, and, and help build that back up? Well, you know, I was really fortunate as an athlete because I had coaches that had pulled me aside at different stages, either in high school or college, and had conversations with me that were powerful. And I still remember verbatim those conversations. And that was 30-some years ago. And so when I got into coaching, I realized right away the power of what I tell kids and how important that is for their confidence. So, you know, uh, and of course, you, you don't BS or lie to them. You, you be honest with them, but you accentuate the positive with kids. And so if we have a kid with confidence crisis, I think it's it's a matter of pulling aside, talking to him, um, to, to telling him some things maybe he doesn't know, and just build him up, and, and then just rep the things that he's struggling with and, and give him um, – you know, let him understand verbally how much better he's doing, and you'll see that confidence start soaring. But so much of it is just telling a young man, 15, 16, 17 years old, hey, Johnny, 
you're a heck of a lot better than you think you are. And and don't doubt yourself and don't fear failing. Go play. You're doing a great job. And sometimes it's amazing how that will just click with a kid instead of browbeating them. Because I've seen, I've seen those coaches and those those coaches devastate kids and, and they don't bring confidence and all they bring is baggage. You know. So I was fortunate to learn a long time ago that that those inspiring words and pulling kids aside, what that does to a young man. I've you know I've, I've talked about this many times on this show. I have so many young athletes that come in who I work with privately who will have confidence issues. And typically, with a lot of them, they have self-doubt in their mind about themselves, their abilities, their skills. And it stems from a message they got from a coach when they were younger who would berate them, who would insult them, who would cut them down. Yeah. And that message you know, sticks in their head. And then because of that, they have that self-doubt. And even though they're, they're really successful at what they do, that negativity is in the back of their head. So as a coach, how do you try to get that out of there? How do you try to eliminate that from them? Well, one, you've got to detect that it's there. You know, if you, if you, and Because and, kids aren't going to be forthright. They're not going to come up to you and say, hey, coach, I'm, I'm really struggling right now with my confidence. You've got, you got to feel it and you've got to see that in the kid. Um, and, and usually you can. I think you, I think you can by the body language of kids on a practice field or after a ball game. And that's why I say it's just so critical that you surround yourself with coaches that share your mindset of, of always coaching kids up, always being positive. Look for those things where a kid looks like he's a little bit down and figure out what's going on, go talk to him, and build him back up. Because you're right, a lot of times it was something a teammate said to him. You know, it was something his mom or dad, especially his dad, said to him in the car going home the other day that has really impacted him. And he needs to hear from a coach that he's doing a hell of a job and we're proud of you and you're going to make mistakes and just keep playing. You let, know, me, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you here because you just said something that I always like to talk about. I was, I was and, and I'm going to get you a copy of my book, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Sports that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone. But we talk about in the book, on the ride home after a game, don't bring up the game as the parent. If the, if the young man or young lady wants to talk about it, that's fine. But as a parent, don't sit there. Why did you drop that pass? If you'd caught that pass, we would have won the game. Don't, don't bring it up. <laughs> right. You know, because you're obviously as a parent, you're, you're a little worked up. You're a little emotional right there. And if your son says, Dad, I dropped the ball. Gosh, what's wrong? Then you can sit there and be supportive and encouraging and reinforcing. It's the coach's job to talk to him about why he dropped the pass, not you. Yeah, it's hard for parents. It's really, really difficult to let that go with some parents. And, you know, one thing that we always did at Blue Springs, you know, of course, I just retired from there at Rockers, and and um, we weren't able to do it this year because of the COVID and spacing restrictions. But I've always, during my youth football camps, I always had the coaches and the parents come down to the field at the end, and we formed a, a, a big group in the middle of the field. And that's the, one of the main reasons I like doing youth camps was to talk to the parents about and the coaches about how to please take good care of these kids, to not berate them, uh, that, to, to make them enjoy this game. Because too many kids are quitting because of bad experiences. And I would give an example of, of course, I would never bring the coach's name, but an assistant coach one of my kids had that ruined a game for my kid. And it wasn't until we got my son into the, his next coach the following year that he started enjoying it again, and he wanted to play it. But I almost lost the sport of football with my son because in, in the second, third grade, there was an assistant coach 
that all he wanted to do was scream and yell at kids and make them run to the foul pole for not focusing. And what's your and what's your okay? Let me let me ask you what's your opinion what's your opinion about coaches who scream and yell at kids? It's ridiculous. I mean, it's because here's what happens to these youth coaches: they coach how they were coached, so they think that's the right way to coach. They have no idea how damaging that is. And I've always felt like the really successful coaches are teachers, and you teach. And then occasionally, when something happens that draws your ire and your voice <laughs> goes there, now everyone listens because you're not that guy that's always screaming. You're not that guy that's always yelling. He's a guy that's positive, that's always coaching and teaching me. Well, now he's really upset about something. And now it really, when you make a point and you're angry with the kids, they're going to listen to you. But I've, I've known these guys over the years that all they do is yell, they scream, they think that that old school is really cool. What they don't know is is the amount of young men that are going to carry within the rest of their life that negative feeling and negative image towards that coach. And I once told a youth coach in Blue Springs that was having problems with this, I said, I want you to think about something. Five years from now when you're at the grocery store and these young men, you run into them at the store, you know, are they going to walk the other way from you because they couldn't stand you? Or are they going to come up and embrace you because you meant something in their life? remember about a year later he came up to me and said coach i remember what you said and, and you're right it, it's it's about that relationship with those kids because nobody knows what your record was in the third grade okay nobody knows okay nor but does anybody nor does anybody about. really care right 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 it, and some of these youth coaches that think it's important but a choke on their mantle it's just ridiculous well kelly and, I, want, I want to thank you so much for joining me this morning you have uh you know you you've shared why you've had so much success and it's because i think your perspective is so healthy it's positive it's upbeat and you know like i said a great a good coach is a, is a great psychologist and I, I will put you in that category right away i want to thank you so much if if anyone wants to get a hold of you how could they reach you uh the easiest way is just just to call rockers high school um and and they'll they'll send me that message all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, great message for everybody. And I, I, I'm sorry about how your season ended, but I want to congratulate you on how you've handled it because forget the success on the football field. I think the success you've had dealing with these people off the field is going to leave a lasting impression with them, and I want to thank you so much. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, Dr. J, for all you do. Thank you very thank much. You. Have a great day. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. There are a lot of ways you can get a hold of me. First of all, these shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're also podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com. They're on SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, all over the place. Get coaches to listen to this interview because if you have your son or daughter has a coach, this interview is going to help them. Have a great week. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at, at DRJSportsPsych. You can also reach me at my office at 816-561-5556. Stay safe, stay healthy, and take care. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization 
dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.